0: Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm Stacey Toth, best selling author and co creator of Paleoparents.com, where we focus on real life
1: solutions for families seeking health. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best selling author and creator of ThePaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth, and I'm just a super nerd. How are you? I'm doing much better, thank you. How are you? Happy I, New Year. I, yeah, I was about to say, I like. I, I feel like I should say Happy New Year. I don't know if we started last week's show saying Happy New Year or not, but it's all still in the appropriate range of time for <laughs> New Year's greetings. Um, I'm doing well. I, uh, I've had one of those, you know, I've, I've had a certain book related goals for during the break and have only reached about a quarter of them. And, you know, it's been one of those universe keeps throwing curveballs, and it goes here, try this one here, try this. one. you don't have enough distractions here. Have this one. So, you know, it's fine. I'm rolling with the punches right now. Um, and like everything's still okay. <laughs> as long as the universe decides to cooperate at some point in the next week or two, we'll be fine. But, um, But yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing well. We had, we've had so far a really nice break. I guess the kids go back to school the day after tomorrow. And, um, my mother-in-law is still here for five more days or something like that. So, you know, it's, it's just been, it's really nice. We didn't do a whole lot. Um, we did a couple of things, but we mostly just hung around the house and played board games and went for walks. And it was just a really nice, quiet, downtime space that we all really needed so uh that was good
0: sounds very similar to our break we just spent a lot of time together playing board games doing different things uh together was the concept and um we're all we're all doing fine we're all doing much better um in positive news i want to say that i finally went through my inbox earlier today (laughs) um Wait, you were able to go through it in a day? Yeah. Um, So I was like deleting mail or archiving mail that I didn't need, but there were things that like I had actions on. And so some of those I obviously haven't gotten to, but I did get to some of them today. And one of the things that I got to um, was all of the emails that people sent me telling me awesome things to do in California, which I talked about a couple episodes ago that we were going to go to California this month. And people sent me things and I had planned to look at it with the boys over the holiday break and show them all the different recommendations and go to the websites and do these things. But life happened and that didn't happen. So um, I went through everybody's emails today and I just want to say that there were some fantastic ideas, almost all of which we're actually going to do. Some of the things I never would have found on my own For example, Warner Brothers Studio in Hollywood, California, evidently has all of the Batmobiles, which, if you know, Wesley. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what he got for Christmas. You are never going to be able to leave. I know. know, You are going to
1: have to tranquilize him I know. in order to be able to leave.
0: Yeah. And they also have an actual sorting hat for Harry Potter there because both Warner Brothers and Universal have rights to Harry Potter. And so they have like they will sort you into your house there, which I'm super excited about. So um, I never would have found that if it wasn't for a listener. And I'm sorry I don't have your name, but you know who you are. Thank you. And the other thing that i thought was really cool is someone told me about pismo beach was which is about halfway between the two um so that's going to be a really great stop for us and they have whale watching and atv dune riding and our children can watch this like safety video online and they can ride atvs themselves so that is super exciting and i never would have found that stuff um by myself so thank you to our listeners for um giving me those wonderful ideas, and I promise to share it via social media and our newsletter um, so that you can enjoy watching us be joyful (laughs) in January.
1: (laughs) We really do have the best listeners. We really do. It's always one of my favorite things when I go to a conference or a book signing or some kind of event, and the people who come to those events that are also avid listeners are... Like a just really cool people generally. I mean, there's other cool people out there. I don't want to say that non-listeners are not cool. I'm just saying that listeners. Well, they're not listening, so we can. Talk they're not about listening, they're not so cool. I can say whatever I want about <laughs> non-listeners. No, but it's just always there's. Um, I always find because the people who listen to this show know so much about us, and there's always this kind of fun connection um, that happens with those people because. I don't know. I kind of feel like the people who listen to the show are, are kind of people, right? Like people who don't find us interesting or amusing or, you know, like us aren't going to listen to the show, (laughs) right? Like, so it's, it's it's not everybody
0: would have known that like ATV writing and Harry Potter harry potter hat sorting and batman cars is what we want to do in california
1: like not everybody would have known that but people who listen to the show and don't fast forward through the first 15 minutes uh because i'm sure there's also people who just like oh no they're giving their like spiely update thing i'll just fast forward to the important stuff i mean and that's totally fine if that's the way you want to listen to the show there is absolutely no judgment but uh but yeah there's there's a i don't know i think there's like a there's a synergy, right? Because you're a kind of person who likes listening to the show. Therefore, you're probably a kind of person I'm going to enjoy talking to. Um, and so it's always fun actually getting to meet our listeners. So that's just my way of saying, Hey, I'll probably go on book tour this summer when paleo principles comes out. And I'm looking forward to meeting you guys because I don't think I'm going to be doing, I guess paleo effects will be before then, but I don't think I've got any, public events planned between now and then just because I'm in hunker down and finish finish book mode do you you probably don't either
0: no Mm -mm. yeah but I'm doing a lot of traveling and focusing on family which is what I plan to do this year yep so sounds good but I do love it when we meet our listeners and they're like I listen to you all the time I feel like we're best friends and I'm like I feel like if I knew you, we would be best friends. I know. Because, I was like,
1: now I just need you to do a podcast for me to listen to. Right? And then, then I'll you. Yeah. Right? Well, I will that's say exactly. half, half of the people
0: that are like my best friends right now, I've met through the paleo community, some of which were just people who followed us and that we connected to one way or another locally or whatever. Yeah, that's. And, I mean, you and I met that way, right? So yeah. we, we get you, listeners. We're... I'm doing that thing with the two fingers and the eyeballs, but I'm doing it to Sarah on a computer screen, so you can't see it.
1: No, and I can't see it either because we're just recording, like we're just doing audio. So you're you're doing it to me, but you're doing it to my picture. <laughs> <laughs> but May- I, what what, what is the show about? What are we doing here? We're talking about fermentation. Which has nothing to do with anything we talked about I just know. Now. I had to just jump it. I couldn't. There was no... Where, where's the segue, Queen? There was nothing. You gave me you, nothing. You failed me this week. I tried. Absolutely. Um, no, we just... Uh, there was a really interesting conversation about fermenting vegetables in the wintertime, and it's wintertime now, uh, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, and, um, and I thought, hmm, that sounds cool, and I feel like we haven't talked about fermentation in quite a while on the show. So we have not. I, I thought let's start the let's start the year talking about good bacteria. It's an excellent way to help you recover from
0: all of those holiday holidays. <laughs> <laughs> <Perfect. laughs>
1: oh, I could have bridged. See what I, I just we, missed it. Missed it. You oh, oh, no. maybe Matt will edit it and make me look great. No, I don't think that's possible. All I right. think I well, think you really missed that boat. And it's sailing off into the sunset without I'm you. Bit, I'm
0: a little bit sad. Maybe we should talk about
1: let's, the bacteria.
0: Let's,
1: <laughs> why don't I read uh Sandra Lee's question and um I think we can take it from there. Sarah and Stacy, I love the podcast and appreciate how down to earth and real you are about life, family, sleep, food, all of it. I never miss an episode. I frequently recommend you, the podcast, and your books to friends and family. And as Sandra Lee knows, it's a pretty much a guarantee of getting on the show. Clearly, because your you're on, Sandra Lee. On with, with compliments because that's our favorite thing. So thank you. I've been making fermented vegetables for years and have always had questions. Now I'm asking them. It's fall and harvest time. There are tons of cabbages, carrots, and other fermentable veggies at the farmer's market. I imagine the way people started fermenting was in their attempts to preserve the bounty for consumption long after anything fresh would have spoiled. I took a picture of the jars sitting on my kitchen floor, but realized that you don't have any way for including attachments. How long do fermented vegetables last? I keep them in the refrigerator, putting a huge premium on cold space. I expect them to be good until harvest time the next fall. So am I now consuming what remains uh, so I'm now consuming what remains from last year's sauerkraut? Will last year's ferments still provide viable probiotic bacteria. I have chosen to stop taking capsulated probiotics relying on food, variety, and fermented vegetables to sustain, to sustain my internal microbial health. Is this wise? I include a variety of vegetables in the sauerkraut, cabbage, carrots, garlic dill, which sounds delicious. I'm just throwing that in there. Um, this year I couldn't find celery So I added rutabaga, kohlrabi and onions. Does putting vegetable variety into the ferment increase the variety of probiotic species? What do I do about the occasional fuzzy white bit that grows atop the liquid in the fermenting jars? Even with a cabbage leaf holding salt, the salt is down. It's impossible to completely eliminate solid floating vegetable pieces. I've heard that it's safe to remove them and consume the rest of the ferment as usual. Is it what happens if there is more or less than the ideal amount of salt? I am assuming that if there's not enough salt, non-beneficials may proliferate. What happens if there is more salt than needed? Could it keep the beneficials from growing? Could it cause harm in some other way? I look forward to hearing about the science of fermented vegetables. Thanks again. You're awesome. It was a lot.
0: Take a breather there, my friend, because you've got a lot of science to answer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you want to just talk about... All right. So sandra lee i'll start with what i can answer correct we do not allow attachments we don't want viruses from trolls on the internet um <laughs>
1: let's see <laughs> what else can i answer you um, know what it would be you know what people would send us poop photos for poop sure. photos pictures of their poop that oh, is 90 percent of what we would get
0: i'm really surprised i haven't got an instagram direct message of a poop photo yet i keep waiting for it
1: did you did you, did you see the one where people were sending pictures of stools <laughs> I had three people tag me on a yeah. I think stool. I think I did see that yeah. And it was like a kitchen stool or whatever, like a step stool. Yeah. But they were like, "Here's my stool." Yeah. And it was like three completely different people. I was like, "You guys all have the same sense of humor," and it's kind of funny, but it's also it's also it's also kind of stupid. But you know, it's, it's great. It's great. I would have <laughs> said childish, but yes, childish. I you it's, you it's, don't so, have
0: boy again. Back to this like boy. You'll hear that in the bloopers, I'm sure, but. You know, if you if you had boys, maybe you'd like understand poop humor
1: more. I don't even understand it, but I know that it's a thing. There's not very much poop humor in my house because even my husband's not into potty potty humor jokes.
0: All right, so speaking of poop humor, um, I will say that I love this idea that she has about trying to get a variety of probiotic bacteria. I'm going to venture on the side of um, that there would not be different strands or very much different in the strands, depending on how much vegetable she adds, but there is going to be a different nutrient component. The strands are going to come from the host, the SCOBY or the starting liquid or whatever that is. So if you want different strands, you're going to need to vary your starting materials. Um,
1: well, if you, if you do a wild f- ferment, which I'm assuming she's doing, so you can do with um, fermented vegetables, you can do a lacto-ferment. So you, you can use um, like a starter that's an encapsulated starter, or you can use a starter if you had a batch of really good sauerkraut, you can use some of the brine for a starter. Um, but m- what most people do is use the natural bacteria and yeast that are present on the vegetables. Um, and it, that's just, what's there. And so usually that sort of just comes from the atmosphere and comes from the vegetables. It's, I mean, I, it's, it's hard to say for sure if using different kinds of vegetables would give you any more variety than like just using straight cabbage when straight cabbage can give you like 680 different strains (laughs) compared to, you know, if you were using a starter, you'd be using a couple of strains and those strains would dominate and you wouldn't get the same type of variety as you would from a wild ferment. Um, but you like the difference in nutrients is like, I, I want you to continue with that, that because that I, I mean, yes, <laughs> okay. but, but not on the, I, I think it's, it's sort of hard to say yes or no in terms of whether or yeah, well, not I, be more bacterial strains.
0: So I think, um, I think talking about wild versus starter is important because while I believe that there are some people that are going to the extent that you're talking about for a wild ferment, I know when I read about fermenting, everybody recommends starting with either a probiotic or like use the leftover water from Bubby's pickles or something like that. And I so- have
1: never used a starter.
0: Right. I know you haven't, but since we're since we're kind of baselining it right now, um, there's different ways to do it. And I think what I was referring to is starting with a starter, in which yeah. case, as you noted, there's not going to be much variety, no matter how much different vegetables you put in there in the probiotic bacteria itself, because you are literally putting specific probiotics probiotic bacteria in yeah. there.
1: If you're using an encapsulated starter, it's only a few strains. If you're using something like Bubby sauerkraut juice, then you're talking typically 30 to 40 strains. Um, but a wild ferment can be hundreds, hundreds of strains. And it's the same
0: with, let's say, kombucha. Like if you mm-hmm. grow your own SCOBY, it's going to be different than you know if you buy a SCOBY from one of the places you can on the internet or you get one from your friends or um, I know we've started one from like GT's kombucha before. Then what you're gonna have is whatever you started with. So it's just you know all of it's good, period. Like none, we're not this is not better. This is this is like that um, organic uh, liver meatball to McDonald's analogy. Like if you're introducing probiotic vegetables, f- fermented vegetables with probiotics, or any probiotics that are natural into your life, like that's not a bad thing. There's, there's nothing bad about that, but obviously the more wild and organic and all that kind of stuff, the, the better it's going to be for you is, is our point. Are you with me in the, in the non-judging of the people using the Bubby's liquid and the GT's kombucha to start Oh
1: things? no, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Just put it, we're putting that out there. I have, I have some like dorky fun facts to add, but I'll hold on to them. <laughs> I know you do. Okay so
0: now that we've gotten that out of the way i will say what i was going to say which is that um the benefit for me when i eat fermented vegetables is that the fermentation changes their chemical makeup which i know sarah can talk about just the same way that cooking vegetables changes their chemical makeup and so When you're doing that with a variety of vegetables, you're getting a different kind of nutrient profile that your body is going to be able to use in different ways. So it's absolutely a great idea. I love, um, for me personally, fermented beets and carrots um, sit with me better than cabbage, although I eat fermented cabbage. Um, I also really like fermented pickles, but I can't eat like a whole one. But everybody has, you know, what works for them. And if you're eating, um, what did she say, cabbage? carrots, garlic and dill, like that sounds great. But I would also say like, don't eat the exact same thing every single day all year long. Um, It's the same thing for anybody, you know, mix it up. And I love that she said she couldn't find those vegetables. So she did um, rutabaga, kohlrabi, and onions. Like That's exactly as she alludes to what our ancestors would have done. They would have taken what was around them and they would have used fermentation as a way to prolong the food from going bad because they didn't have refrigerators back then. So the answer to her question, how long do fermented vegetables last, um, I don't know about in your pantry, <clears throat> but I know if you put it in the fridge a really long time, like I would venture to say six to 12 months if if
1: not longer than that. Do you know, Sarah? Uh, it, hypothetically years. Once it's in your fridge. <laughs> so um, if you leave them at room temperature, they will, the bacteria and yeast will continue to ferment the vegetables and continue to break them down. And eventually y- you won't have vegetables left, right? They'll be just slime if you just left them keep going indefinitely. <laughs> um which is why They'd you would be really vinegary and right. You would have fermented soup. Um but uh but that's why you put them in the fridge. So you put them in the fridge it um reduces the activity of the those bacterial species and yeast um and then it preserves the stage that it's at. So um, the fermentation, it it does still go at a very, very slow level in the fridge. It doesn't completely render these bacteria and yeast 100% inactive, but it takes a very, very long time compared to what's happening over the course of, you know, 10 days or two weeks at room temperature. Um, these are, you know, these are bacteria and yeast that are naturally found in our environment, and they, they tend to be quite... Um, temperature resilient. Um, they actually like colder temperatures more than the like hotter temperatures. So for example, you'll see a lot of websites that say that fermentation should never happen above 72 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, I've de- definitely done fermentation in a hotter kitchen than that. You know, my husband doesn't let me cool the house colder than 78 in the summer. So, um, cause you you, protecting the environment uh, has nothing to do with electricity bills. Um, it, it totally has to do with him being cheap. It's fine. Um, so it
0: just <laughs> they for permit- me I saw the bus coming and you just like kept throwing him under. Like it was like, oh, yeah.
1: oh and now, now you're still under there. He doesn't under. he doesn't listen to the show, so I can say whatever. That's, that's true. Right? So someday he'll have a like a marathon catch-up session and be like, what are all the things Sarah has said about me over the years on this show? And then I don't know what'll happen. Um so um, so I've done fermentation in, in, hotter temperatures and it's just a little bit finickier. You have to keep a closer eye on the brine. You have to, uh, taste it more frequently and, and to catch it right at that. Perfect. Cause it tends to get over fermented very, very quickly at hot temperatures. So, um, that's the biggest difference between fermenting over the winter versus fermenting in the summer is when room temperature is cooler. Um, it tends to take a little bit longer. Um, but I think it's also a more controlled experiment at that point. You're get, having less issues with evaporation. Um, and, um, I generally like the taste of a winter ferment better than a summer ferment. I feel like the summer ones get like too sour too quickly. And that's probably because, uh, acetobacter, like vinegar bacteria, like the warmer temperatures a little bit more so you've got a little bit more of those growing in a summer ferment compared to a winter ferment but they're all good um the way that I've always done ferments is um salt and vegetables and if you needed a little brine to top it up but uh you know cabbage and salt is really all that you need for a basic sauerkraut and it's a tablespoon of a non-iodized salt so like Celtic sea salt, Himalayan pink salt, uh, pickling salt, you know, non-iodized, uh, to one and a half to two pounds of, of shredded vegetables. Um, and so what happens when you have too little salt, Sandra Lee is absolutely right. Too little salt allows for the growth of, uh, pathogenic, non-desirable organisms. Um, and that's bad. Uh too much salt it that it's interesting because it actually preserves the food in a different way, so salt by itself is a preservative, so when you have too much salt in your ferment, it inhibits the growth of the normal bacteria and yeast that would do the fermentation, but it still preserves the vegetable um but it's it's a salt you know a brine preservation rather than. A fermentation. So they're still safe to eat if there's too much salt. They just don't have as much, um, depending on exactly where the line is, they don't have as much probiotic bacteria in there. Um, and you can fix that if you're, you know, your vegetables aren't fermenting, you can fix it by removing some of the brine and adding some water, um, and trying to get back to that, you know, perfect. I think it's like a 2% salt solution is is what they say is sort of the, the ideal goal in that brine. I think it works out to like a tablespoon of salt per two cups of, of liquid is sort of considered that perfect that perfect range. But um, it doesn't need to be an exact science. So a little bit more salt or a little bit less salt. Generally, there's a fairly wide range in which these bacteria and, and yeast are quite happy and you don't have bad things growing. Um Speaking of bad things, um, a little bit of white, um, floating mold on a, like a floating piece. You can just take that piece out and the rest of the ferment is absolutely safe. Things to look out for that would be indications that it's not safe would be, um, black mold, um, white mold or any color mold that has gone through everything. Um, the sauerkraut smelling rotten. The liquid being slimy. Um, so,
0: to be clear, the liquid smelling rotten to some people who aren't familiar with fermentation think that ferment in general smells rotten, like that's what my mom says. Mm -hmm. So keep in mind that a proper smelling ferment is something along the lines of a pickle or a wine, things that you already have been exposed to that are fermented, only it's going to obviously have the smells associated with whatever it is. So
1: Right. It's not also smell like cabbage. Yeah. Cabbage is particularly
0: stinky when it's not fermented. So when it's fermented you combine the power of the fermentation with the stinky cabbage. It's a bit much. Um, So just because it smells strongly doesn't mean that it smells bad, so to speak.
1: Um, Also, if it smells really alcoholic, like it has that same kind of yeasty smell as wine, but if it smells like you're going to get drunk eating it, don't. Um, And also pink, pink, pink molds are, uh, like things are turning weirdly pink. If you've got beets in there, they're going to be pink. Or if you've got purple cabbage, it's going to be pink. Um, but, um, there's a, a type of sort of pink, I think it's a mold that, um, can grow in, uh, sauerkraut that, uh, can make you quite sick. So, um, but it's, it's very unusual and where people typically have problems is you really have to check the brine level every day when you're fermenting at home and make sure that it's not evaporating. Um, so you got to make sure that everything's covered in liquid. Um, so as long as the the salt percentage is not way off and everything stays covered in liquid, it's actually very foolproof. I've only ever thrown out one batch of sauerkraut and it was one that, um, the, I, you know, wasn't on top of, of the brine well enough. And the top got dry and it started a mold that went through. Um, And it was really obvious, like it really (laughs) was like, oh, this doesn't look good. (laughs) Um, So things that are normal, but you might feel weird about is like a cloudy, a white cloudy brine, that's completely normal. Um, A white sort of skim on the top is completely normal. Um, Stacy's description of stinky cabbage meets uh yeasty beverage smell, totally normal. Um, what else? Uh, it's totally normal for it to, to have foam on the top to be kind of bubbling, um, and kind of be foamy on the top. It's normal for it to overflow the next day or two days because as, um, the bacteria release bubbles, the liquid actually expands. And as the vegetables release their liquid into the brine you'll actually end up sometimes with so much liquid it overflows out of the jar
0: um the question that i got asked most frequently about fermenting was actually about kombucha so all of mm -hmm. these things apply to pretty much beverages and food Mm -hmm. Um, and the one thing about kombucha is that it will often grow an additional SCOBY on top of the SCOBY that's already yeah. there. And that's actually a good thing. But people get like really freaked out and they're like, it's growing. There's this weird thing on the top of my SCOBY. I'm like, yep, that's another SCOBY. Yeah. So every
1: <laughs> time you disrupt the surface, um, so it it's usually happens when you start a new batch. So you put your SCOBY into the next batch and it grows a SCOBY under that SCOBY. Um, but it can even happen if you stir your kombucha. Um, so you want to taste it midway to see how good it is if you like normally, I would take a straw and kind of inch it past the scoby to to taste, but some people will be like oh i 'll just grab a cup and disturb the scoby, and that will start the process of another scoby growing underneath and they 're actually called Scoby towers, which I think is kind of fun <laughs> um and so what you do actually um or what you can do is when you make a new batches, you can divide the scobies and start, you can double. So it's a neat way to start small Mm -hmm. and then you can have an entire room full of kombucha at some point. If you want to, um, scobies are also edible. They don't taste amazing. I tell you from experience, but they're extremely nutritious. Um, and (laughs) there's like recipes, on the internet for like different ways to prepare it. Apparently they're really good as, um, and now I, I haven't looked up the science on this one. Apparently they're really good for wound healing. They help, um, they help provide some kind of, of matrix for new cells cells to, to grow. I have not tried that. I have not verified that in the science, but I have read that. And I could understand when you're talking about, you know, SCOBY stands for, symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast so when you think about um a lot of the uh matrices those types of proteins that bacteria and yeast make and you think about they've made a matrix to live in that's the the scoby itself um i could kind of i can wrap my head around how that makes sense but i i have not actually looked to see if there's any scientific studies using scobies for making wound healing go faster so yeah ask your doctor is all i'm saying <laughs> that's all i'm saying can I put a scoby on my wound? No doctor's going to say yes.
0: Um, <laughs> there's some doctor somewhere that'll. There's say There's
1: some doctor who recommends this routinely to their his his or her patient.
0: My OBGYN used to tell me when I was breastfeeding that I should put express breast milk into every wound, and it has the same like the justification for that is similar to the justification for a scoby. So there's that. I mean, so this might
1: be going a little bit too far for the show. <laughs> but is there some place <laughs> When I um so shortly after the pale approach came out, I had a kitchen accident. had a third-degree burn uh on my arm and um I ended up the burn got infected. I had to be recommended to the burn clinic and I was given this special bandage that had to stay on for 8 days. That was like a cast over the burn and it provided a matrix for new cells to grow. But the burn specialist was trying to decide between doing that cast and human placenta as a... Did you
0: get a vote? I would have voted human placenta.
1: <laughs> he they, No, I did not get a vote. It was... That was, and it was literally, we'll try this first. And if this doesn't work, we'll do human I placenta. can't believe
0: you didn't advocate it because then you could be sitting here
1: right now I telling us how much it worked. Asked a lot of really nerdy questions <laughs> uh, because that's what I do when I talk to doctors. Um, and uh, it would have been, I think the, the reason why I was like, sure, this sounds like a good plan. Let's go for this one first was because it would have been like a fairly lengthy process to get a human placenta um so it would have been as opposed to like i I don't know why
0: that would be difficult
1: well here i can wrap this up in this special bandage that'll be amazing in the next 20 minutes or we can take you know two days and call the maternity ward and (laughs) you can start you can start filling out all these forms right now (laughs) and then yeah i was like i just want to go home just send me home please i was pretty miserable yeah i remember you weren't because 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 It got infected, and it had to be scrubbed. Um, If anyone out there has ever had a third-degree burn scrubbed before, they did not give me Valium, and it was intensely painful. But I said no thank you to Valium because I had driven myself an hour to the burn unit. So, uh, yeah, no, it was was miserable. And then I had a systemic allergic reaction to the antibiotics, and then all right, we've to- we've
0: lived this misery
1: once oh, before. Oh know. it's somewhere back in the back in the show from way back. But
0: I that was kind of not a good time for us. I don't know if you want to relive that one, everybody.
1: But I don't. I don't. The cool nerdy thing was they offered human placenta as a growth matrix for my new skin, with after having lost all of it to bacon. So. um I forgave bacon, by the way, like it took some time, but I got over it.
0: Matt still hasn't forgiven smoked pork belly or bacon. I mean, from his burns that he swears he did not need a doctor for Yeah, <laughs> when he had the fireball blow up at him when he was smoking. So. I remember
1: that. Um, I'm looking through this question. I, we've answered all of them. Occasional fuzzy stuff. We got amounts of salt. We got, um, yeah. So I did want to say that, um, fermentation actually, um, increases the nutrients in the food. So it, it's a couple of different ways. One is some nutrients are actually formed by fermentation. Um, K vitamin K2 is a, it's an excellent example. So it's formed by fermentation, vitamin K. So the bacteria in our digestive tracts do this as well. Um, but you get vitamin K2 in fermented vegetables when you wouldn't get vitamin K2 in the actual fresh vegetable. Um, and then it also, because it's breaking down the cell walls, it's making a lot of nutrients that otherwise would be a little bit harder for our bodies to absorb more absorbable. So fermentation increases, um, the, the nutrient availability in those vegetables and the more different vegetables you have, then you're just increasing the nutrient variety. So that is always right. Just like it's important to have a lot of different types of vegetables on our plate. Having a lot of different types of fermented vegetables is also really great. Um, is it wise to give up encapsulated probiotics? Um, yeah. So the, number of strains that you get in a fermented food is way more. So I sort of said there's already like 680 strains in a wild fermented sauerkraut, 30 to 40 strains in a lacto fermented um, sauerkraut, depending on the starter, 30 to 40 strains in kefir or kombucha. um, And these are of beneficial bacteria and beneficial yeast. Um, You know, if you compare that to most, probiotics that you would buy uh you know you're looking at eight strains now i mean there's more that have eight to ten strains in the olden days that have one strain or two strains the olden days of like three years ago um the and the dose it's not that hard to get comparable you know billions of bacteria in a you know fermented food compared to um a capsule and it's going to be different for different types of foods um, and you know depending on how long that cabbage is fermented, a longer ferment will have more probiotics in it. Um, but you know dose wise it's very much the same. The exception is you know the type of bacteria that we're and yeast that we're getting from fermented food is lactobacillus, bifidobacterium, um, acetobacter, um Sacromyces briardi is a beneficial yeast. Uh, what we're not getting is soil-based organisms. So there's still an argument to be made for a soil-based organism probiotic like prescriptocyst, or um actively seeking out organic dirt to consume in small quantities. So that sounds gross. But what I mean is you know, buying vegetables from a local organic farm and not washing them before you eat them. I mean, like you can rinse off the big chunks of dirt, but just embracing a little bit of dirt in our lives. Um, and I have actually a, a couple of recent posts that we can link to in the show notes on the health benefits of fermented foods and the health benefits of eating dirt and, and soil-based organisms as well. So that whole, both sides of that. Um,
0: yeah. (laughs) I feel like we slayed that in record time. I'm kind of thinking we did. Um, do you guys ferment for, you do your own, do you do your own kombucha? We used to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that we keep saying like, oh, now that we're doing less, we should do this more. And, um, it just hasn't been up there. I. Only ever tried to ferment vegetables once. I had a fermentation party. It's a fun post in my blog. We'll put a link in the show notes, uh, because I was really intimidated to do it by myself. So I had a bunch of friends over and we all like broke up the tasks of, you know, doing different things and, uh, We each brought ingredients for one thing. So um, then we shared and we each left with like one container of a variety of things. So it's a great way to introduce fermentation. Problem is uh, we kill everything that's alive. (laughs) And so like I've honestly one cactus, my kids, and my cats. Like that's, that's it. That's all I've got going for me here. So I totally killed that ferment like i forgot that it existed like it's not hard you put a timer on your phone like a you know like a thing in your calendar that says move ferment to fridge it shouldn't be rocket science but we missed the window and we left our fermentation stuff out way too long and all the bad
1: stuff that we were talking about happened so Mm. um and i think because it like and it's cake. a pretty disgusting mess to clean up, too, oh my if gosh. you care about your jars
0: that you're fermenting in. Yeah. No, we had, like, a fermentation crock that was pretty expensive. Oh, yeah. So those we weren't going to throw that least out. at
1: yeah. $100. Yeah. What a mess.
0: So anyway, um, what we learned is that kombucha sits on our counters because it's not as stinky. It's not, like, some place where we put and forget about it. And it also takes less time than a big crock of cabbage and so it's easier for us to remember like and if it goes a couple more days that's okay um but you know if it goes a couple of weeks or months then, then you're talking about having just made i don't know i guess moonshine i don't know um i
1: mean yeah the alcohol content would go up pretty quickly yeah so kombucha is the but one so that we so with do. the acetic acid i mean that's what's happened for me with kombucha that i've left going it's not. It's not moonshine. It's vinegar. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a lot less sense, exciting. Yeah. Be more exciting if it was moonshine.
0: Well, anyway, it's one of those things that um, we need to. I I really enjoy drinking kombucha. Um, we've just been purchasing it, and you know, I have no shame about that. Life happens. I
1: I go through like kombucha kicks. And so when I start, like every time I go to the store buying a couple of bottles and like I'm out by the next time I go to the store, I'm like, okay, it's time to actually just make my own for a while. And then I'll get to a point where like, no, nah, I just don't want it. Right. Like it is absolutely not the thing I want to consume. And so then I'm like, all right, time to retire my SCOBY for a while. And, uh, if it's long enough, you know, sometimes I'll keep a SCOBY going for a while. Cause you can, you can keep them alive for a long time just by periodically topping them up with sugar water. Um, but, um, or sugar, sugared tea, sweet tea. But, um, but yeah, then I'm like, ah, uh, no. And so I think I'm right at that point where I'm starting to consider making it again, which my husband loves because he does not like the smell of kombucha on the kitchen counter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we hope that we have inspired you. To ferment or to be less afraid. And we also have a previous podcast that we did with Sarah Ramsden on fermenting. Yes.
1: Um, so I was you- going to say, you know, if you're thinking about fermenting and um, you find it intimidating, Sarah Ramsden has a phenomenal online course that you can take. And I, I think it's called Fearless Fermentation. Is that right? I think you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we can definitely put links to her previous show with us as well as her course on the show notes.
0: And if you're feeling like you just want a buddy to do it with you, we'll put a link in the show notes about the fermentation party, which I would highly recommend. That's
1: kind of an amazing idea.
0: Really, I really anything that intimidates you is a good idea to do as a party with friends. If you can like break up the jobs and tackle it together with giggles. And I'm pretty sure there was one. I, I know that I have one friend. Involved.
1: I have one friend that would come over and ferment stuff with me. <laughs> Maybe two. I mu- it, it'd be quite a party. It would be three people.
0: Well, it was interesting to see the different things that we all picked that we wanted to do, you know, like it was, um, somebody, you know, Brought the stuff for ketchup and I did the stuff for, I think, pickle, butter, butter pickles. I wanted to do fermented because the ones that Bubby's are dill pickles. So I wanted to have both. And, you know, it's, um, it's interesting. It's, but yeah, just don't leave it somewhere in the dark for too long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we will be back next week, even though I'll be in California, Sarah and I are Making it happen, because that's what we do we have Paleo View.
1: We have strategies.
0: So thank you for tuning in. We will be back again next week. And we wish you all a wonderful, wonderful Happy New Year, hopefully filled with all kinds of fermented vegetables. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you for listening to the Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Yeah, I uh, really, really, really didn't want to put uh, my over-the-ear headphones on my <laughs> ear with brand-new piercings in the cartilage, weirdly. ow. do why that would be. I might not want to next week either at this rate, so, you know, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> Sure, I'll get my ears pierced
0: too, girls. We can all do it together. Now yeah. I'm trying to find... I keep plugging in a phone charger into my computer and little monsters keep stealing it.
1: You know, you could have more than one charger for a family.
0: I do! I, <laughs> I feel like I buy one every week. I'm like, you know... Guys, we're not destitute. Why are we cannibalizing cords all the time? What is happening?
1: Are they Are they eating them? Is that what they're doing? They're like... The cord to, you don't... to
0: my iPhone charger that I keep putting here and keeps getting cannibalized. See, Matt shook his head. He's like, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because he was the little guy, the little monster that took it. See, you have girls, so you don't know what it's like. They're rough on everything. So I could have a cord, and it could last me five years. They have a cord, and it lasts them five weeks because they, like, yank on the cord part. And then the electrical wires disconnect from the end thingamajiggy, which I know is the actual technical term.
1: There is a Louis C.K. bit about the difference between boys and girls. I don't know if you've seen this, but he talks about... Like, boys are crazy. They just, they're (laughs) absolutely crazy. They injure themselves. They beat each other up. They're, like, absolutely crazy. But girls, girls erode your soul. (laughs)
0: That's about, that's about accurate.
1: And, yes. No, I mean, my, my kids, I mean, we have, like, like, party favor quality toys from six years ago that are still in pristine condition, (laughs) even though they're regularly played with. But we have other challenges. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder
0: mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.